The Orange Blossom Classic is still a big deal. Matter of fact, it's just as big of a deal as it was the previous two seasons. Oh yeah, it's locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are locked on HBCU. Your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on HBCU podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked on podcast network, your team every day. And now, of course, I'm Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor and contributing writer at USA Today's Saints Wire. I appreciate you. For making us your first listen of the day every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over. It just means it's time to follow me on Twitter. At South Exclusives starts with an S and it ends with an S. Today's episode is going to start and end with the same thing, kind of like the Twitter handle. And that is the OBC, the Orange Blossom Classic, the week one matchup between the Florida A&M Rattlers and the Jackson State Tigers. Now, we'll wrap up and go through each section. First off, Jackson State kind of operating underneath a Deion Sanders shadow, and that comes from one of the questions in the media and how I think they could operate within that shadow and really get themselves out of it pretty quickly. If Jackson State isn't going to be in the OBC going forward, what other teams would you like to see Florida A&M match up against but before any of that, because Jackson State is in this game for at least this season, I want you to know that this is still a big deal. This is still a game that should be must watch, must check up on, must at least look into and see what the score is going to be at the first quarter, second quarter, end of the game, because this is still a big deal. The glitz and the glamour have been removed. I understand that. But there is only one reason that you should be caring about the OBC this year. And that's because it could be a deciding factor in who represents the SWAC East in a SWAC championship game. That's the only reason, but that's a pretty big reason to care about a game, especially a week one game. But I don't say this lightly. I don't just come in, you know, I just want to throw that out there. I feel like it needs to be hammered home even earlier. I'll probably say it again in August. But right now, I felt like it needed to be hammered home, especially with the early press conference that Coach Taylor and Coach Simmons just did. And the reason I say that is because it's Coach Simmons and Coach Taylor. I understand that some of the glitz and the glamour that have come with the prime machine and just who he is as a personality and as a former NFL player that a lot of people know and a lot of people beloved. I understand that some of that glitz and glamour has gone away. However, I don't care that that superstar head coach isn't on the sidelines. I don't care that his superstar son isn't going to be the quarterback anymore. I don't care about any of that because the baseline reason that you cared about that game in 2022 was because you felt like it could be a deciding factor in the SWAC championship race. That's the reason you cared. You didn't care because of who the quarterback and who the coach were. See, maybe who the quarterback was was why you thought this team was going to be so great. I'll give it that. Like, I'll say that. I'm not saying that these pieces don't matter. However, at the end of the day, you cared about the Orange Blossom Classic because you felt like this could be a deciding factor 
in the SWAG championship race, and that baseline has not changed. See, in 2021, yeah, we were probably excited about the glitz and the glamour and the intrigue of what would come with Coach Prime at Jackson State. But in 2021, it was a deciding factor. We didn't know it at the time, but we found out at the end of the season that these were the two best teams in the SWAC. So when 2022 rolls around, we had that expectation. Was it a close game? No. Was it a good game? Depending on which side you are, objectively, as somebody who's not on either side, no, it wasn't a good game. But I'll tell you what, these were still the two best teams in the SWAC. And I don't think that in 2023, there's much reason to believe it won't be the same. Now, I will say this. I have FAMU as the best team, and that's because I'm not a huge fan of speculating. And I hate that this game is week one, but I'm just not a big fan of speculating on what teams are going to be. That's not my forte. There's many of people you can go to if you want to hear speculation about how recruiting classes are going to come together and all of those things. I tend to favor things I've been able to see with my own eyes already. And a lot of the transfers, a lot of times, they just aren't players that you've seen on a collegiate level too much. So that's a lot of speculation for what Jackson State is going to do. However, I will say, as far as speculation goes, they do generate a good amount of excitement. So while I have FAMU as the top dog, and that's because they're returning players like Isaiah Major, shout out to my boy Coach G because he pointed out Gentle Hunt to me this morning. Um... They're returning Jeremy Musa, right? I, I like the pieces that they're returning. It gives me a little bit of excitement. I can't count Jackson State out of this game, but you go past that, right? Because there, there's question marks for Jackson State 100%. But look at the question marks for these other schools. Alabama State, quarterback issues. I don't know what's going to happen or what I can get out of there. And you have some pieces on the defense who are leaving as well. You look at Alabama A&M, quarterback issues. That just feels like ah, just un, just inconclusive with this team Bethune Cookman Mississippi Valley I'm not expecting anything from them with all due respect Bethune Cookman's going through with a brand new head coach same with Valley and it's not like they were great teams coming into this new head coach so I'm not saying that Jackson State or FAMU has to win it but I will say if anybody other than those two teams and maybe Alabama State right if anybody outside that trio outside of that triumvirate wins the SWAC East It'll be a surprise. Not many people are going to be banking on that. I believe that many people are going to say FAMU, Jackson State, and maybe an occasional Alabama State as far as who's going to win the SWAC East. So with being able to say that two of the teams that are going to be in the race are JSU and FAMU, I don't think it's too much to say that this is still a big deal. The Orange Blossom Classic is still must-watch TV, and it's not because of the glitz and the glamour. Matter of fact, it never was. It's because you have two of the best teams in the SWAC, definitely two of the best teams in the SWAC East, facing off week one in a game that has huge ramifications. So if you are always in it for Dion and Shador Sanders, I hate to inform you, you are always in it for the wrong reasons. This game was big in 2021, 2022, and will be big in 2023 because of the teams of FAMU and Jackson State. Going forward, we're going to look at maybe Jackson State isn't going to be in this permanently. There's nothing that says they have to be in this game every single year. And if they're not in this game, who would be facing off against FAMU? I have a couple of options and a couple of different ways they could go about, go about scheduling the Orange Blossom Classic in 2025 and beyond. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the number one protein bar on the market, bar none. You can put all the competitors out there. Matter of fact, let's play a little bit of a game. Get every single cookies and cream protein bar of any sort that you want, lay them out on the table, and eat the Built Bar, and I bet you there won't be a better cookies and cream protein bar on that table than Built Bar. I promise you. 100% dark chocolate. Some have marshmallow covered in dark chocolate. High in protein, high in, uh, or excuse me, low in sugar and fat and carbs, so it's good for you. Tastes like a candy bar, but gives you the benefits of a protein bar. Built Bar is the one. It's the one, I promise you. You can go to Walmart, get a four-pack. Go to Sam's Club, get a 13-pack. Go to Built.com slash Locked On, and you have to be a little bit patient. But when you go to Built.com slash Locked On, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your offer. You're welcome. And as we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. For my everydayers out there on tomorrow's episode, be prepared to look at Morgan State, Bowie State. They went and shadowed the Baltimore Ravens at a minicamp practice this week. But right now we're diving into this Orange Blossom Classic, Jackson State versus Florida A&M. But what if Jackson State is removed from the game? Not because they did anything wrong, not because they even said that they wanted to leave. However, one of the first questions in the press conference was, are you considering any other HBCUs to be a part of this classic in the future? That was the very first question, I believe. So with that being said, I thought it was a little bit interesting to look at the teams that could replace Jackson State because this is Florida A&M. Like they've been every single Orange Blossom Classic. That's not going to change. It's the other team that's going to have. It's going to have a little revolving door. I'm not eager to change anything, but it did get me a little bit interested. I will say that the answer to that question started with a yes. We're interested in getting other HBCUs involved. And then it kind of felt like they kind of walked it back a little bit. Kind of felt like it started off, yes, we're interested in getting involved. We even have some Howard people involved this week or this year. It's like, I'm not talking about alums showing up. For the week. I'm not talking about little events. Are you saying when you when you say involved, are you simply talking about in the weekend? Or are you talking about other teams playing in this game? What started as a strong yes kind of felt like a soft yes, but the yes was still within there. And it was enough of a green light for me to say, okay, we're going to see what other options. We're going to explore this conversation. Now, funny enough, Jackson State, though they've been here every single year since the reboot. They haven't been in the most Orange Blossom Classics. That's Grambling. That number goes to Grambling. Of course, Florida a has been in the most, but we're talking about opponents. Grambling has been in five. Jackson State will tie them with five after this year's event, but it hasn't quite happened yet. So Grambling is number one with five. Meanwhile, Jackson State is at four. But you look at the fact that they were only in two. When it was going in through the 30s to the 70s, they were only in two of these Orange Blossom Classics. They are not a staple of any sort in the Orange Blossom Classic. They aren't. That's grambling. So I just want to I want to really express this because I think that with it being new and Jackson State being every single year since the reboot and Jackson State's been the opponent, I think it's easy to think that they're synonymous with the OBC and they're not. 
Grambling is more synonymous. Now, Grambling got kind of a late start. They didn't start until the 50s, but once they got going, they kept going, right? Because they were in there more than any other team. So if they were to switch opponents, if FAMU was to pick another team to play, and I, I say 2025 because I'm going to assume this is at least a four-year contract where each team has two home games, each team has two away games. As far as, I know it's a neutral site, but counts as a home, counts as an away. After that'll be up, because that'll be four years, maybe Grambling, maybe Prairie View, because Grambling's been in there five times. So historically, that's the school that you would want to point at. PV's been there four. PV's tied for second with Kentucky State. So it's not like PV hasn't been in a bunch of these games. Now, granted, they ended in 59. I think their last game against Florida A&M was in 59. It was either 59, 58, somewhere in that region, if I'm not mistaken. So it, they weren't in the last nearly 20 years of the Orange Blossom Classic before it ended in 1978. But they still have a nice history involved, and that's something that I would like to tie in. And, you know, they're, they're SWAT competitors, so you know you're going to face them. Every year you face them, you're going to face them back-to-back -back seasons. That could be a home-and-home, -home, neutral site, you know, but count as a home game for each team. Boom, two years got it with Grambling. Two years you got it with PV. Maybe you don't want to do another contract situation because they're in a SWAC West, so you're not going to play them every single year. You know, I don't know who FAMU's permanent opponents are right now, but you're probably not going to play Grambling every year. Might not play uh, Prairie View every year. So, to me, if you want to have them on two-year contracts, but if you just want to avoid contracts, let's face off against some of our old MEAC foes. How about that? Because the MEAC, they don't really have a strong tradition when it comes to the OBC. They weren't really in it a lot, you know, like the schools that are currently in the MEAC. Hampton was in, Hampton's gone now, but Hampton was in there three times. North Carolina Central, barely. A&T, naming a bunch of teams that were in the MEAC recently. But South Carolina State, barely. Maryland Eastern, short. Like, like these, these were schools that just weren't heavily involved in the OBC, but I know that FAMU wants to play some of their old MEAC opponents. They want to keep those ties up. So let's say you don't go with the contract. Maybe you just do a revolving door of MEAC opponents. Delaware State, South Carolina State, right? North Carolina Central. You just keep going, Howard. You just keep going. And then maybe every now and then you reach out to other teams. Let's just say that if you don't do a contract, if you don't do a contract, because you can have D2 teams, MEAC, OVC, right? You could do the um, um, CAA, right? You could do all of these schools, SWAC, CAC, CIAA, all of these schools could be involved. If you don't want to do a contract, which I think is the easiest to do with Grambling, PV, and maybe some other SWAC schools, if you don't want to do that, you don't want to have a set structure, how about this? Every week one, every single week one, Florida A&M, let's call it a home game for them, especially since they're already in Tallahassee. Every week one, Florida A&M plays an HBCU in the Orange Blossom Classic. Doesn't have to be Jackson State. Doesn't have to be Grambling, PV, Kentucky State. Doesn't have to be anybody with history. Doesn't have to be anybody continuously. It can be a new team every year. A couple of years, you repeat. Doesn't matter. Maybe that's the way you do it. Who knows? Right. That might be a little volatile. I'm not sure what the business in that would be. But then again, that that no might. Have, I mean, that yes might have softened up because they realized how good a business that FAMU versus Jackson State was. And maybe they just do make this the, tradi uh, the tradition where you just keep it flowing. 
Good business. Why stop, right? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. But those are just a couple of different ways that you would do it. I personally, I personally like the Grambling PV and then maybe a revolving door after that just because I like history. And Grambling and PV have a historic connection to the OBC being two of the teams who have been in the most games against Florida A&M in this classic. Now, going forward, this is not FAMU related. This is about Jackson State because there was a question about Deion Sanders and expectations. And I thought that T.C. Taylor had a phenomenal answer to it. Is this the way that you need to operate in the post-prime era? Let's dive into that as we wrap up today's episode of Locked on HBCU. And as we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, thank you for making us your first listen of the day every day, making it all the way to segment three. You know I thank you two times for that. Now, we've discussed why this is still a big deal. We've discussed who could be some potential replacements for Jackson State in the OBC. But if we're talking about replacements, Jackson State did lose a huge figure this offseason by the name of Deion Sanders, right? And a lot of people know Deion. He's a huge figure in football, period. Had he never became the coach of Jackson State, that still would have been the case because he's just this big personality. He is. He's prime time. But now that prime time is left, I think there's kind of a shadow over Jackson State. And I thought that T.C. Taylor handled that very well. I want to be clear. I didn't pose this question. I have before, but obviously I wasn't at that press conference. And I'm not bringing it up just to bring it up again. But what are the expectations after prime is left, I think, is a fair question. I really do. So I don't blame the lady for asking the question. However, I'm sure that question is going to be continuously asked, and I'm sure that that question is going to be annoying because I would get tired of it. I personally have no problem with Dion. I don't like how he handled the business. I don't like any of that. I really don't like how he departed, period. Like, so I'm not a fan of that. But personally, I have no real feelings towards Dion Sanders. But I'm just curious, how do you handle Dion Sanders' questions now that he's gone, this isn't for fans. The fans can kind of answer it, right? But this isn't really for fans because fans have the ability to just ignore. First off, fans have the ability to ignore. I'm not answering that question. I'm moving on, right? They Most coaches and most players aren't going to take that approach because it's going to seem a little standoffish. It's going to be talked about more than if you just answered the question. But fans don't have that responsibility. And this is also not to fans who want to flip him the stone cold double bird like this isn't the guy who want to give him the middle finger like if you don't like Deion Sanders there's absolutely no dilemma in how do you answer these questions you express yourself very clearly like I don't really like the guy if that's how you feel however if you're somebody who does still appreciate his time here you do still appreciate him because of his time here it's kind of a dilemma because I'd get tired of hearing about it like bro we're Jackson State I seen Shane Hooks when he when he when it was announced that he went to where'd he go? Auburn. When it was announced that Shane Hooks was going to Auburn, they said he led the Deion Sanders offense. Like that's the type of stuff that gets under my skin. Cause like we're Jackson State. It's not even things that Deion is doing that's getting under my skin. It's consistently being asked about, well, the expectations. 
And I think that T.C. Taylor answered it the correct way because what he basically said is we appreciate what he was able to do. We had expectations before. We have expectations after. We had expectations during. The expectation of success has never changed. So because the question is, the question is often tied, well, Deion Sanders is gone. What's the expectations? Is there a lot of pressure to live up to the expectation that he built? And I think that TC is the perfect person to answer this question because he's a native. He went to Jackson State. Like, he's had time in the culture. So if there's anybody who can speak on exactly what Jackson State has always built themselves upon, the expectation that they have given to themselves, it's TC Taylor. So when he says there's expectations before and there are expectations now, that's the right answer. But how many people are going to answer that way? How many people are actually going to have the poise? Because I'll tell you right now, I'm a person who wears his arm or his arms. I'm a person who wears his emotions on his sleeves. And if I continue to get this question one time, I might slip up. If given enough opportunities, I don't trust myself to not answer that question the wrong way. I don't trust myself to not get a little irritated like, man, we didn't get made by Jax or we didn't get made by Deion Sanders. I don't trust myself enough to not react that way. And that's the wrong way to react. But I wonder if anybody will. The correct way to say is we appreciate what he did, but we had a standard before. He lived up to that standard and we still have that standard now that he's gone. Absolutely is nothing changed. Absolutely nothing has changed on the expectation front. Shout out to UTC. Because I'm telling you right now, the mouth of the South might not have been able to keep his poise as many times as I'm being prepared to ask that question. Sheesh. I don't know if I can be asked that question. That means I don't leave it at that, right? Because you keep asking, somebody might get baited into making the wrong call. Nice to meet you. I'm somebody. <laughs> now, let me not do that because I think I would be able to avoid that answer. But I feel like if you just keep asking me, one day I might just be like, bro, can you stop asking me about that? And being standoffish leads to some type of altercation. And then it just becomes to like this idea that Darian Gray had beef with Deion Sanders when the truth of the matter is I'm just tired of hearing about a coach who's not mine when coaches say that we're going to focus on the players who are in the room how about we focus on the coaches who are in the room but on all that being said it's a question that is going to be asked and hopefully they continue to answer it the way that T.C. Taylor did but I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day on tomorrow's episode we'll be diving into morgan state and Bowie state shadowing the baltimore ravens coaching staff at their mini camp practice this week but in the meantime in between time if you're looking for me you can find me on twitter at south exclusives until the next time that we hear you to the family take care stay blessed peace